Welcome to Before You Swipe. I'm Dr. Lauren. And I'm Dr. Chris. We're two sex educators and research nerds who love talking about sex and relationships. This has been an online dating podcast where we overanalyze profiles and read between the pickup lines. However, in this episode, we're switching it up to take a step back and consider how we make sense of ourselves and relationships. And when we say relationships, we include sexual, romantic, platonic, and more. So before we even open the apps, let's get into the beautiful mess of human connection. Hello, everybody, and thank you for hanging in with us while we uh, continue to go through season six. We are now on episode eight of Before You Swing. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) And so I'm Dr. Lauren. No, I'm not. I'm Dr. Chris. Oh, my God. I think we're going to just keep that blooper in because that's great because I don't even know who I am anymore. We're, we're so tired, everyone. I know. It's true. I'm, I'm going to go state on the record that I am actually Dr. Chris. <laughs> and I am Dr. Lauren. And um, I, I promise you that today we are indeed continuing our conversation from last season on Andy Nordgren's Nine Principles of Relationship Anarchy. And I also promise that today we're going to talk about relationship anarchy as a framework and a way to support people who identify as asexual and or aromantic. And so we're gonna start off by defining our terms. So you may hear us changing the words we use. You may hear asexual, aromantic, or you may hear ace or aro. Those are shorthand terms that are used in the community. Um, So that's our starting place. Uh, it's common for folks to use asexual or asexuality as an umbrella term. So meaning um, it might include folks who are aromantic underneath the umbrella of asexuality. And typically folks are using that to refer to people who have little to no desire or um, don't experience sexual attraction. Uh, and so for that's asexual and then aromantic people may um experience little to no romantic attraction to people. And so we can, it's important to us that folks know not every person who's asexual is aromantic and not every person who's aromantic is asexual. And so yes, you'll see people use the umbrella term, but we also wanna be a little more precise. Um, And this is a community that we care a lot about. Both of us um, have a lot of interest, feel connected to the community. And so uh, we've read Angela Chen's recent book, uh, it's called Ace, and she is a journalist, but also identifies as asexual. And so she's sharing her story and the stories of lots of other Aero Ace folks. And so we would recommend that. It is not perfect, but it is still a very good read. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're also looking to connect to the community and understand more, there's a network that is sort of a for us, by us, collective, outward facing and internal to the community. It's a website. Um, they call themselves Asexual Visibility and Education Network, and it's at asexuality.org. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many ways that we can uh, use the principles of relationship anarchy to uh talk about ace and aro identities really inclusively mm-hmm. and with a lot of respect and things like that I, I just i was gonna we we at first highlighted the relationship values um principle of andy norgren's which is how do you wish to be treated by others what are your basic boundaries and expectations on all relationships what kind of people would you like to spend your life with and how 
would you like your relationships to work? Find your core set of values and use it for all relationships. Don't make special rules and exceptions as a way to show people you love them for quote unquote real. Mm. So that's one way, but gosh, there's so many others. I don't know. Do you have any kind of comments on that in our I mean, yeah, for me, I would say relationship value is felt immediate um, as just a really important element to raise. So part of what can happen to a row ace folks is when there's no representation of the way you feel or think, you can believe there's something wrong with you or that you need to change to fit the norm you've been exposed to. And so this fundamental principle, if it were something people were taught immediately or were exposed to as they're growing, you know, we had our K through 12 conversations in the previous season, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so this idea that if you're exposed to it early, you're starting from scratch, right? And so this is really an invitation for all of us to sit down and think about how do we want sexuality to be part of our relationships? How do we want romantic um, elements to show up in our relationships? What's most important to us to share and experience or receive from other people? And this deep permission to say, I don't have to abide by what someone else says I'm supposed to do or what someone else thinks I'm supposed to do. I get to define that for myself. And if someone doesn't respect that, like hard pass. Yeah. And so these are the, well, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh yeah. No, it's okay. And I, I just like emphasizing that kind of this idea of like, what are the expectations on all relationships? And, and oftentimes when you form a really tight bond with a person, um, whose gender may align with the sexual orientation that you have. Like there's these assumptions that sex is going to be involved or yeah. if, if the somehow, I mean, even like there's all these things like, you know, marriages aren't seen to be quote unquote, or not even quote unquote real, like legally bound if they are not consummated. Right. Like there's this idea that you have to, have sex with this person in order for them to be a very important human being in your life. And so and to be, expectations are so big, right? Yeah. Well, and I, I love that you immediately went to policy. Because <laughs> <laughs> how, how weird is this, everyone? So it is encoded and enshrined in law that you got to be fucking <laughs> yeah. for your relationship to count. And that's just so flawed because of course there can be so many reasons people don't want to have sex, either because you never want to have sex or because sex doesn't feel good. Our bodies are designed differently. We go through changes over time. So are we saying that someone whose body is not capable of having sex, they may want to, but something could have happened where they can't anymore. Would we say they're not actually married? And so these, this is like a fundamental problem, even when we're existing in compulsory and focused on compulsory monogamy, this is a big flaw. But then when we start acknowledging the, again, natural human variation <laughs> in terms of how much we are drawn to people sexually or want to engage in sex acts, um, it's just a real big flaw. Like, come on, everyone. Yeah. And there's so much pressure on like the, you know, people who are, who are in sexual relationships to like then worry like am I having enough sex how much is the right amount to have like yeah. oh you know this and like this idea relationship anarchy you know really you know the whole customize your commitments and all these things too right like it's it's not up to society to decide if you're having quote unquote enough sex or if you right. should or if you should be having sex it should be up to 
the people involved in the relationship as to whether they're going to have sex or not. And so it's really just, I, I just love relationship anarchy to really support and, you know, support people in however they want to express themselves and their care for each other. And also really just sort of then start to challenge these assumptions that we have about who is like, quote unquote, are like, you know, a, you know, like a person that we're quote unquote with or whatever, right. like whatever the heck that means. And I think so much of this, you know, yes, we're focusing and talking about asexual and aromantic folks. And this is relevant for every human on the planet, right? Like we're acknowledging variation that is natural, that can be because of all sorts of reasons over the course of our lifespan. Um, and for folks who consistently and persistently identify as aroace. And, you know, part of the legacy in the U.S. certainly around the way we think and talk about asexual folks. I mean, or originally this was framed, or not originally, but one of the dominant public conversations was that folks were defected, that they needed to be intervened upon. And, oh, if they just had the right medication or the right set of treatments, we could fix them. This was actually encoded into the DSM, the, oh, shoot, what's that mean? Diagnostic? The Diagnostic Statistical Manual. It's the thing that we use to... Uh, not we, because I'm not a licensed psychologist. It's the thing that licensed psychologists and people use to officially diagnose people with uh, mental health uh, disorders. Yeah. And so, I mean, I hope when people hear that, they go, ew, why would you say if someone's recognizing that they're just not interested, if it's not a stress point other than the fact that society sucks <laughs> and people in their lives are probably pressuring them and that like really blows and it's horrible um i mean we're talking i'm talking a little flippantly but truly that can be traumatic and really destructive if otherwise you love yourself and are satisfied with the way you form relationships how dare psychology label something a disorder and even still there's it's still in there as a potential diagnosis. The asexual community has advocated for a, a very small modification that basically if someone uses the label asexual, they should not be have this disorder applied to them. But it's, I mean, this is, anyway, yeah. lots of feelings about labels and the way it causes harm. And so if, again, if this world embraced a relationship anarchy model, this would not be happening to AROA's people. That would not be their their lived experience of this level of stigmatization. Yeah. And and I remember, I mean, it was a little while ago now, but when I was going to a lot more um, sexual health conferences and conferences where there's a lot of sexuality educators and counselors, um, that we would have these discussions about like, oh, if somebody doesn't experience sexual desire, that means they must have had something wrong or bad happen to them in their past. And yeah. so it really that asexuality is just manifesting trauma. And so as long as we break through that trauma, then they'll experience desire again. And I, I remember that like we, as a person who's been in the sex ed field for so long, there was this mantra that we really wanted to create this like we wanted everyone to know that sexual desire is a normal and natural part of human development and the reason we did that was right. because we didn't we were sort of going against the abstinence only movement and like this idea that people like that sexual desire 
should be something that we're ashamed of as young people, especially those who are female identified or raised as, as femme. And so there was that. And so we spent all this time going, yes, yeah, sexual desire is normal and natural. Sexual desire is normal and natural that we shut out <laughs> the ACE-AROG communities yep. unintentionally, but we did. Absolutely. Well, and, and you know, this stuff happens over and over again when we're trying to react against one thing, you know, it, it happens that we, particularly when you're relative to the entire population, they're a small group. I mean, however, by small, the most recent stats, it's about one to two percent uh, of um, the U.S. population, which is equivalent to Los Angeles. Um, yeah. So it's not an insignificant number of people. We would never say Los Angeles is an insignificant number of people in this country. And so I think, again, there's a level of um, error and mistake, but this is also why we're so committed to making sure, you know, folks who get ignored that we change that and have people be in the room and setting policy and all this stuff. But yeah. Anywho, that's why it felt so important to raise this as part of the relationship anarchy conversation. Yeah. And so, right. So if we, if, if more people sort of adopted or at least, you know, thought critically through this relationship anarchy lens, then I, I really do think there'd be a lot less stigma around the Aero Ace community and that people would just feel like, and again, if you're a, you know, if you experience high sexual desire, that's fine. That's like, yeah. you know, relationship anarchy has room for people who are highly sexual, people who are highly romantic and people who are less sexual and less romantic, right? It's that idea that sex is not the main focus necessarily of a relationship. It's about, um, you know, having relationships change over time, emphasizing yeah. communication and everything like that, that it, there's just this room for more ways to express care and, um, and love for other people. And I think the key, one of the keys to this for me too, is around like, if we really mean it in relationship anarchy, that platonic relationships are just as important, that a romantic relationship that doesn't have sex can be deeply important, right? Like if we are breaking the relationship escalator, if we are breaking compulsory monogamy, compulsory sexuality, then like, again, this is a gift for all of us. And if we embrace it, then it's never gonna seem atypical or odd to see two best friends, I need to get rid of the word best, I remember, <laughs> but to see two people who are not sexually engaged, not romantically engaged, have deeply, beautifully entwined lives and they support each other and care for each other. No one would ever question that, right? If we actually embraced relationship anarchy. And so that again, just creates this expansive, you don't have to identify as asexual to want that, to want a deep tie that doesn't include sex and romantic Expect expectations yeah and also i'm just laughing because i you know i hear you not wanting to use the word best friend and i i think i have like five best friends or something like i haven't oh, counted no. but it's just like this idea of like no <laughs> I, rem I this is what i remember from one of our early episodes where i slipped in and used best and you're like well if, <laughs> if i know it's true though it is true it's just like in the purest standpoint of that and this is where again when we adopt frameworks like it's not it's not like, oh, you have to abide by something completely pure, you know, and if you like stray one little bit from this way of like being, then it's just like, well, you're not really that, 
rah, rah, rah. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, if you, if you prior create a hierarchy in your relationships, you're not a relationship anarchist. That's not our goal to make people feel that way. It can, we can complicate and question and be curious. And that's, that's really our goal. And yeah. Yeah. So, so I just thought of something kind of funny, which okay. might take us down, but like, if we really sort of prioritized relationship anarchy, I'm still back to the sex ed thing, but like if we okay. taught sex ed from like this framework of relationship anarchy and stuff, maybe like people who have more um, conservative and fear-based sex values would actually be on board because we'd be like, look, we're really inclusive of we're focusing on platonic ties. We're focusing on right. romantic that doesn't have to be sexual. Uh, da, 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 da. Maybe that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Probably so, so not because it has the word anarchy in it. I was just going to say, so what I'm hearing you say is we need to tell the social conservatives or religious conservatives that anarchy is what they've always been looking for. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm like, well, and, and actually, I was talking to a colleague of mine about relationship anarchy, who's also in the in the sex ed world, and they're like, "Yeah, too bad it is called relationship anarchy." So it's just like, well, we can maybe like hide, like bury that lead on like where it you know came from, and just start, again talk about the values and the principles behind it without using yes. the a word. Well, and it can be a you know it can be an asterisk credit to you know Andy and yada yada. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there I think there's ways of doing it, but I'm fairly certain that if we talk to Andy about this, they'd be like, "Oh my gosh, you think there's a way to infuse this better in sex ed and in the world?" Like, yeah, do it. Yeah, <laughs> like it's the words and the labels. I think I I imagine I of course I'm projecting, but I imagine Andy would actually be potentially offended by someone saying oh, we have to rigorously uh, use this term and deny people the principles. The principles are the point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm also realizing that the there's already like the scarlet letter of A is already been taken. So we have to come up with the, something else. We, the, you know, like the the scarlet letter, Nathaniel Hawthorne, like with for the A for adultery, right? Oh, right. Prynne has like, Hester Prynne has the A, but that's for adultery, not for anarchy. Well, so, and even in our, in our principles, also, there is no adultery as long as you're right. talking to each other about what you're doing. And then, I know, cool. but yeah. <laughs> I, I hear your so. point, though. <laughs> we we won't, yeah. Well, it'll be the, a different kind of A, because, you know, the anarchy A is like with the circle around it and the yeah. line through. Uh-huh. So it's a different Scarlet A. <laughs> it's true. And also, I can't believe that I remembered, I think I'm right. I'm not going to totally swear to it that that those are like the, the right names to associate with so. the scarlet letter, which I'm yeah, like, yeah. wow, where did that come from? It's not I couldn't like have I, said it, but I recognize it when you said it. I couldn't have recalled that myself. It's not like <laughs> I thought of have thought about that since like high school. Yeah, I was going to say middle school, high school. When did we read that? I don't, and know. I don't think we were reading the scarlet letter in middle school. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Oh yeah, actually, probably not. <laughs> um, but anyway, like one of the things that I, I just want to go back to is, um, and I'm going to steal a quote that you set aside for us to think about. It's one of oh, um, Angela, yeah, one of Angela Chen's quotes from it looks like page 100. Um, <laughs> and again, this is someone who was writing a book titled Ace, 
and yet recognizing the importance of an ACE framework for liberation for everyone. Um, and so she says, it is truly necessary to question the expectations that others hold for us and the purpose and the origin of these expectations. Each person should explore who they are and what they want and how all that might change. I just love that. Yeah, and it's sort of funny now I, I, I've loaned my copy of ACE to a good friend of mine here. But now I'm like, I want to go back into into that book. I'm like, maybe Angela Chen has read Relationship Anarchy. Because in that, right, like questioning yeah. the expectations of others is like a lot of that. And then each person should explore who they are and what they want. Like that's the values. And then there's the yeah. customizing the commitments and how all that might change, which is building for the lovely unexpected. And like, I mean, and there's also the political. I mean, she also talks about the political side of it, of how if we prioritize and all the privileges of a society are built on a legal marriage and you can't marry just, just, uh, and that's air quotes if folks couldn't hear the uh in my voice and know what I meant by that. <laughs> um, but just a friendship, like you technically, I mean, I think it depends by state maybe, but like you wouldn't be legitimate if you're not having sex with the person. So like again it's just a one big massive problem and disenfranchisement and and so chen really is advocating i think for everyone you know if you dismantle some of these requirements and expectations it's not to say people can't still choose to live like we've talked about this many times a sexual romantic monogamous life with one with one person that they're prioritizing of course people can choose to do that. What we want to see and what I think Chen is advocating for is it should be a choice and there should be no stigma if you don't make the same choice as another person. And I think yeah. that's clearly what Andy Nordgren stands for. Yeah. And so now mm -hmm. I want them, I hope they've met or like get they ever in the same room and, together, and, right? And Angela and Andy. Oh, that's so fun. I know. I want them to like, then I just want we to listen in on talk. that conversation. Right? It'd be really cool to have them, like someone interviewing both of them and sort of putting these ideas in conversation in a really more articulate way probably than we are. Yeah. And the other bizarre thing, like, because we have been talking about the, like policy with marriage stuff and everything too, is like, I don't really know um, because I have not been in prison before, but the idea of like the conjugal visit is oh, like- yeah right is a visit that's allowed but like what if if i was in prison like I, that's not the first thing like the, that's not the first kind of connection like i would personally want oh yeah i would want I, like some kind of visit like where i guess i could say it's a conjugal visit but really then we're just in the room like having like a really good cool conversation and maybe like having some physical contact like not necessarily sex but like some hugs uh -huh. or something like that right <laughs> Like exactly. that's the kind of stuff that I think I would prioritize in my my visit. So there's another place in policy where it's just like the assumption is that like if you are secluded away from like people who like love and care for you, that that, that they think the most important piece is the sex part, not like the other part. Which again, for any incarcerated person who is asexual, like that's really terrible. I just wild. One thing that I just wanted to say that I didn't say this at the top with my description, or I don't think I did, is okay. acknowledging, maybe I did, so whatever, whatever. forgive me. 
But one thing that feels important is to acknowledge that, you know, when we talk about Aero Ace folks, it is a spectrum. Yes. And so, you know, and also there's a distinction between desire and attraction. And so someone can experience like a desire to masturbate or have an orgasm and like you can be ace and want to do that and still never want that to engage with another person ever. Like you're not experiencing, you know, right? So yeah, I'm like, you know, maybe there's an ace person who wants like privacy just to get off on that by themselves without their, you know, a cellmate. And like that should be, any person should just have the liberation. I mean, again, the carceral system is violence always. So yeah. it's of course not going to do these things we're talking about. Um, but you know, yeah, if you want a hug from your kid, if you want a hug from your dear friend, or you just want alone time without the crushing experience of the noise and people and the right, constant, right. constant watching of you. Anyway, rabbit hole around how the prison industrial complex, but it's important. It, I mean, I don't know. There's so many ways people are not liberated and allowed to be um, as well as they could be. And it's just cool. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I mean, yeah. And it's, it's a sort of weird to think about how, how all this prioritization of sex crops up in all these places of assumptions and expectations and laws and policy and all these things like, you know, back, you know, back when I was a kid, so eight bazillion years ago, but like, you know, this whole idea that the relationship really wasn't quote unquote real unless you had quote unquote done it and you know what does that even mean Mm. and like and now I reflect on that stuff and I'm like I know those pressures are still there yeah and it's like woof like that is just not like if our end goals in relate in like close relationships were more things like intimacy and you can define Mm -hmm. intimacy however you want or um you know care and love and things like that as opposed to you know, some form of genital contact. And ideally um, someone, someone's getting penetrated with something. Right. Sort of the logic. Um, yeah. You know, one of my favorite things to survey, and then this, this bears out in other research, but when I'm teaching my sexuality class, I'll ask students, uh, honestly, to share what's your favorite form of, um, intimacy. Mm-hmm. And when you ask it that way, I almost always get holding hands or oh. like, gentle kisses without fail and it's vast vast majority yeah like we're talking 90 90 to 95 percent of folks and I just I think there's a way that we've historically and then continue to perpetuate a betrayal of ourselves and what actually helps us feel well and connected and a sense of belonging which is ultimately what we need we will not die if we don't have sex I mean like as a species sure (laughs) occasionally (laughs) Certain types of bodies need to do certain kinds of things to keep the species going, but um, but the things that make us thrive aren't just sex, and yet that's what's been prioritized. I think about all the the I would have guessed millions, maybe billions, probably billions of money that have gone into like erectile dysfunction medicine, when really there's a lot of men who deserve a lot more support, feeling their feelings and having permission to be emotionally vulnerable, like. The erection is less of the, you know, like is less of the thing that would help them have deep human full ties with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and going back to our loneliness conversation, it's like, oh God, we could do so much to make this stuff better. But of course it's all about, it's all about the sex. Um, right. 
What a is the other, Yeah, and just another way that um, people who identify as Aero Ace at, w- at whatever points in their lives or for their whole lives get stigmatized yep. is that it's, you know, like there's such a focus on this, like, you know, like Viagra commercials and then trying to get um, cis females to have like their like version of Viagra and, it, you know, like none of those things have worked because you know if they if they found something they'd be pushing that too and I you know they've been trying to find that and so like there's such this importance of like no no we must keep bumping uglies or whatever yeah. phrase you want to use for the we whole must thing. Make is a horrible them. phrase it's like the worst one well no there's many worse ones but at any rate it's not a good one um yeah. but yeah it's just it's doesn't none of it makes none of it makes sense if you actually you, pull it apart and think about what makes people well and what would build a healthier society and just yeah robust rich relationships it's like no no that's not it (laughs) exactly i mean and and it's sort of funny i i do want to just sneak this in a little bit but like i'd love to hear your thoughts about the term queer platonic in this context okay so she so yeah like it just yeah and chen introduces that word right in there i think so yeah i do believe Chen, Chen talks about it and I would just, you just had the loveliest expression on your face, like, cause we're on zoom so I can see that and you got a big smile. And so I'd love to hear more. Well, I think, you know, and it's, it's interesting because it seems like at least in my adulthood, right? I think there's a really different way younger folks are relating to this term. So I'm not Mm -hmm. speaking for them. I'm speaking to my experience. Um, like I have um, some of my ties, my people in my constellation who we have a commitment to each other that's a little different. Like we talk about moving in together and, you know, the ways we show up and support each other raising our kids and and they're another single parent and all of that. And, but there's not, and so there's like sort of maybe some elements that could look like romance in some ways, but really it's caretaking, right? So yeah she she makes dinner for me and all these other things and the first time she introduced me as her queer platonic life partner I cried (laughs) because there's not a word for that there's not enough of a word for that level of like and and this is a person I like live in the same town with right so that also changes the game the the, like nature of what we're doing yeah but it just it meant it like that I that idea that it feels important and maybe this is still rooted in all the bullshit in this country um but it felt really important to have a label that we could use and share with people to help them hear something that says this is really significant the person you're meeting right now is deeply significant and yeah so it was really and the queer there isn't about um sexual expression it's not about our gender identities and who we're attracted to or any of that crap it's it's queering what matters in relationships. And that's kind of a nerdy academic way of using the word queer. So I want to apologize <laughs> also. But this this importance of reimagining how we show up in each other's lives and having language to use. And and I'm not sure if it was started by Aero Ace folks, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was that community that thought to combine these words and give folks something to hold on to as a meaningful label to share with people. Yeah. I love it I don't know what I don't know like what the boundaries would be of like who is my queer platonic person you know who are some of my queer platonic people versus folks I don't use that word with but love 
in equal significance or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And where does, yeah. And where does that term make sense and where does it not? I haven't really grappled with it either. That's why I was sort of asking where you, you know, like in what, in what situations are you in like relationships, may you be using it? So thank you for that example. And I, because I can definitely think of people in my life that I'm like, well, is that what that is? I don't know. And it's, and also I, you know, I'm the less label person. So I just. True. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's sure. And no one should feel like they have to apply a label. Like, I mean, like I said, I'm like, oh, this might be me conforming a little. (laughs) Feeling like, Eh. oh. And I think, you know, again, we all deserve to find words that help us feel true to who we are and how we want to be seen in the world. So, Mm -hmm. like, one of the people that I'm, you know, deeply love and care about, who I also have a sexual and romantic relationship with, they present in the world, they're a cis man, and yet we're both queer. And so it's really lovely to be able to talk about our queer relationship, even though anyone else who just, well, maybe people would still think it's queer, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, if anyone didn't think that already there's a queerness there, um, it feels really lovely. It feels like And that's, again, because there's stigma. There's stigma that for anyone who is queer or bisexual or, you know, doesn't only like one gender or doesn't identify with one gender, right? Like, there's all these ways we we limit and then feel constrained by, in this case, compulsory heterosexuality. And that sucks. Yeah. I don't know. Labels can be useful. They can also be constraining in a whole other way. Um, Yep. And our whole point is we just all get to think about it. We get to think about what feels good to us, what we actually want to experience with other people and share. And, and we also don't have to like decide we're done with that set of questions. You know, we, yes, when we talked to the principals, we sort of chunked things in a little bit of an order for people, but that's imagining this is where you start. It's not to say you don't revisit what are your values and how, what do you want to experience with people? That should be a constant solo negotiation and then a negotiation with the people in your lives. Yeah, absolutely. And the labels are, yes, sometimes very convenient for us to then help communicate to others. Um, that's why we have words, <laughs> very broad sense of the of why this is useful. Uh-huh. And useful sometimes, yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> and sometimes it it's just like, right, with that word will become some a certain set of assumptions and, and we want to break those. And so it's just like this idea of like, well, what does that mean? It's, yes, you are going to sometimes have to use words to just appease the masses and yeah. um, make sure that you're communicating with the, the people that you're referencing that, you know, this is what it means to the two of you or the, the more than two of you. Right. Absolutely. And you know, it's, in, it's always, I always want to be cautious about looking at a minor, minoritized, um, stigmatized group of people and being like, look at what we can learn from them. And yet also, you know, <laughs> and I appreciate that, that Chen framed this as well. Like this is about liberation for all. If we center or really think through the experience of Aero Ace people and create a world that would be loving and compassionate toward them, it's going to be loving and compassionate toward all of us in a way none of us have ever experienced in our lives. And so that's part of, like, again, the gift of being in conversation with um, folks who get overlooked for unfair reasons. Yeah. Ah, I love the Aero Ace community. So great. So important. 
Yeah. So, so we hope we hope everyone goes and buys Angela Chen's book or get it from your library. <laughs> yep. It's it's a really important read, a great contribution. And you know, search for your Instagram asex asexual educators. There's lots of really beautiful ace folks trying to help people understand. So if you want to learn more, there's lots of great things out there in the world um, yeah. and great people. Yeah. And if you'd All like right. to share your thoughts um, about this episode or any of the other ones, please uh, find us on our not active Facebook or um, Instagram accounts. But we do, <laughs> you know, we could see you if you message. Um, before you swipe, the letter B, the number four, the letter U, swipe at gmail.com is also our email address. So that's basically our handle. Please Sweet. find us. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to Before You Swipe. If you want to send us your thoughts on sexual, romantic, and or platonic relationships, please email us at beforeyouswipe at gmail.com. That's the letter B, the number four, the letter U, swipe at gmail. Or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Before You Swipe. Thanks to Hamid Khalid 786 on Pixabay for our fabulous funky beats.